Christian Medical and Dental Associations hope you enjoy today's chapel message. If you have your Bibles, I'd like you to turn to Acts chapter 7. We're going to look at verses 30 through verse 35, and we're reading out of the NASB Bible. Um, when I left here the other day uh, to enjoy the weekend, I had, I, I had chosen what I was going to speak about in chapel, and uh, what often happens when you spend a weekend at home with nothing to do, uh, the Lord kept stirring something else, and last night kind of changed my direction, so I want to kind of share this uh, few thoughts with you today that uh, the Lord's just been kind of turn in my, my mind, and maybe it's for someone here this morning. So Acts chapter 7, beginning in verse 30 down through verse 35. It says, After forty years had passed, an angel appeared to him in the wilderness of Mount Sinai in the flames of a burning thorn bush. When Moses saw it, he was astonished at the sight, and as he approached to look more closely, the voice of the Lord came, I am the God of your fathers, the God of Abraham and Isaac and Jacob. Moses shook with fear and did not dare to look closely. But the Lord said to him, Remove your sandals from your feet, for the place for which you are standing is holy ground. I have certainly seen the oppression of my people who are in Egypt, and have heard their groaning, and I have come down to rescue them, and now come, I will send you to Egypt. Then Moses, whom they disowned, saying, Who made you ruler and judge? is the one whom God sent to be both a ruler and a deliverer with the help of the angel who appeared to him in the thorn bush. I want you to notice this morning that the, uh, the bush that's burning is a thorn bush. Not all the translations say a thorn bush, but it, it is a thorn bush. Have you ever been pricked by a thorn? Ever been working around the yard and uh, grabbed for that? You think it's a weed? <laughs> And it is, but it's a thorny weed, and you get pricked, and it, those, those thorns go into your... It's not something you forget about. It's my standard practice. I always, anytime I'm working in the yard, I always have a really, really good pair of gloves because I hate being stuck or pricked by a thorn because they can sometimes be painful. They, they hurt. Billy Graham said this one time. He said, sometimes life touches one person with a bouquet and another person with a thorn bush. But the first may find a wasp in the flowers, and the second may discover roses among the thorns. Sometimes we have a tendency to look at the thorns as being something terribly negative, terribly bad, and prickly kind of things. In the scripture, thorns are always used as a metaphorical expression. They're a medical, metaphorical expression of anything troublesome, uh, great difficulties or impediments. They often represent worldly ideas or worldly cares. And it can be caused by a, a persistent problem in our life. They can be the result of prevailing pain that we're experiencing. They can be even a particular pesty person that you come to mind. Oftentimes when you think of a thorn, uh, we, we think about this idea of being maybe a person in Paul's life. But it also could mean potent uh, persecution that is a result of this idea of a thorn. In the Bible, it's interesting, there are... Um, over 200 varieties of shrubs, thorn bushes that are represented in the Bible. So as we think about, sometimes we think about this burning bush that Moses came upon, we don't always think about it as a thorn bush, but it more than likely was some type or style of thorn bush of those 200 varieties. And everyone would have heard this story, would have recognized a thorn bush and, and the idea of one burning wasn't that significant in the, uh, in the Bible or, or in the biblical times because 
bushes, thorn bushes burned up. And, but the fact that this bush didn't burn up was rather substantial and rather significant. Today I want to talk a little bit about this idea of thorns. And I began to follow this idea through the scripture and begin to look at what, does, what do thorns represent in the Bible and what can we understand about thorns. Because if you've ever been pricked by a thorn, or maybe you've got one right now that's uh, in your hand, or in your side, somewhere in your life right now, maybe we need to understand and talk about what God intended and why, why these thorns have come. So the first thing I want you to understand as I begin to notice what the Bible has to say about thorns is this. They are the result of living in a fallen world. Thorns are the result of living in a fallen world. Genesis chapter 3, 17 and 18 says this, Then Adam, he said, Because you have heeded the voice of your wife and have eaten from the tree of which I commanded you, saying, You shall not eat of it. Cursed is the ground for your sake. In toil you shall eat of it all the days of your life. Both thorns and thistles it shall bring forth you, and you shall eat of the herb of the field. So in other words, prior to the fall of man, there were no thorns. They are the result of a fallen world. They are the result of what we're living in a fallen world. And sometimes these thorns that we have experienced, these problems, these persistent difficulties or these pesty people or difficulties and the pain that we have in our life are just the result of a fallen world. They did not, I want us to understand this morning, they did not exist before the fall. And I think that's really interesting. This is one of those constant reminders, the ouch is a reminder of the outcome of the fallen world that we live in. And anytime we're pricked by a thorn, it is a reminder that these didn't exist in, in, in the garden until man sinned. They were not, not part of God's original plan. They weren't something in the original creation. God said, ah, I got, I got this great idea. Let's create a thorn uh, that could be a benefit to, to individuals. Now, God takes what was meant for evil and God always uses it for good. And God has created a redemptive plan for thorns uh, in the body of Christ and in our own physical lives. But they were not part of the original creation. They are a reminder that we live in a fallen world, number one. Number two, I would suggest to us that they multiply through disobedience. They, They were the part of the creation. They were caused by the sinful fall. When Adam and Eve sinned, sin entered into the world, all of a sudden we have the introduction of thorns into our lives. It didn't happen before the fall. But they multiply through this idea of disobedience. In Numbers chapter 33, verse 55, it says this, But if you fail to drive out the people who live in the land, those who remain will be like splinters in your eyes and thorns in your sides. They will harass you in the land where you live. Joshua 23, verse 12 and 13 says, Or else, if indeed you, you do go back and cling to the remnant of those nations, these that remain among you, and make marriages with them, and go in, and there, there you will know for certain that the Lord your God will use these. They will become thorns in your flesh, thorns in your side. Over and over again, the Bible describes this idea of obedience. But when disobedience, when we disobey God and His Word and His plan for our lives, God multiplies these thorns in our sides, and they become very difficult for us to do. So not only did these thorns not exist prior to the fall uh, of man, they were created because of disobedience, but ongoing disobedience multiplies them. And so often we have these thorns in our side. You know why? Because we're just not walking into obedience with God. We disobey what God wants us to do, and it creates and causes tremendous strife in our life. Third thing I want you to see is that the Bible teaches that they can uh, choke the life out of us. They can choke the life. In Matthew chapter 13, 
Verse 7 and 22, Jesus tells the parable of the parable of the soil and the seeds and the seed and the soils and the four different kinds of soil that were represented. But it says in verse 7 of chapter 13, the other seed fell among what? Say it with me. Thorns. Right? And grew up. And what did they do? When these thorns grew up and this seed fell among the thorns, it choked out the tender plants. And the seed that fell among the thorns represents those who hear God's word, but it all too quickly the message is crowded out by the worries of this life, the lure for wealth, and so no fruit is ever produced in it. So what happens? What do we learn? That they can be choked out. Thorns can choke out. If we, if we don't walk in obedience, we, we live in a fallen world, and these thorns can kind of be troublesome to us. It's really, really important that we make sure we're, we're making sure that the, the seed of the Word of God is being planted in the right kind of soil in our hearts. Because if we're not careful, there's these other, this worldliness can come in and cause a tremendous amount of difficulty in our lives. It chokes out the life. It chokes out the spirit. It chokes out the vitality. And that's what happens when we don't deal with these thorns in our lives as a result of this fallen world that we live in and ongoing disobedience. It was uh, Charles Spurgeon who said this, Be thankful for the thorns and thistles which keep you from being in love with the world and becoming an idolater. Very careful to become a, an idolater. And if these painful thorns in our lives, if, if they're not there, sometimes they, they can come in and, and choke out the life in our, in our spiritual being. Number four, I would suggest to you this morning that Satan uses thorns to trouble and torment us. Satan uses thorns to trouble and torment us. This not only is the result of the fallen world and multiplied through disobedience, and Satan loves to come and to snatch. You can see in each one of these steps so far, Satan's at work and trying to, to use thorns and thistles in our lives to create difficulty. Now, it says in 2 Corinthians chapter 12, verse 7, probably one of the most well-known passages of Scripture about thorns. Uh, Paul writes, Even though I have received such wonderful revelations from God, so to keep me from becoming proud, I was given a thorn in my flesh, a messenger from Satan to torment me and to keep me from becoming proud. Now, here's a theological question we won't delve into this morning, but it'd be great uh, as you're eating your lunch today around the, the lunchroom breaks. Uh, where do thorns come from, right? Uh, is this thorn in the flesh, is it from God or is it from Satan? And there's a lot of respected uh, theologians on both sides of that equation some will say it comes from God. It's obvious. I, I, I read one theologian this week uh, who said, it's obvious it came from God. Uh, it's not so obvious to me, by the way, that it's from God uh, because the Bible says that every good and perfect gift comes from God. So I, I don't know. We could, we could debate that. If you, if you want to talk about that afterwards, we can talk about did they come from God. All I know is that when he, wherever it came from, it, it's described as a messenger from Satan. So, so God may have allowed this in his life. Certainly this is a part of the, the punishment of the fall and sin in our lives. What, what is, if God did create it, what is the point of it? It's to keep Paul from becoming what? Proud. It, it, so, so to keep us from becoming proud, there's this thorn in, in my flesh, is, is what Paul describes it. But, but I want you to see, regardless of who created it, Satan uses thorns to trouble and torment us as a messenger from Satan. Over and over again, we see in all the points that I've brought out to us this morning that Satan is strategically at work trying to use thorns to, de to destroy and to devour and to keep us from living what God called us to do. Uh, we don't know exactly what Paul's thorn in the flesh was. 
And I'm glad we don't, aren't you? I mean, if we could, if we could, if we could narrow it down to what the thorn in the flesh was, we'd label, okay, this is a thorn in the flesh. Some people think it may be his uh, eye issues. Some people may think it was a, a person that uh, Satan was using, and there's all kinds of biblical evidence that would, would make that a possibility. The bottom line is we don't know, and the bottom line is a good thing because every one of us here today have experienced a thorn in our flesh, a thorn in our side, and, and many of us have prayed for God to remove those, and God's allowed those things to stay in our lives to keep us in perspective and to keep us walking with him, dependent upon him. But Satan uses these thorns to trouble us and to torment us. Number five, I'd like you to see that prayer doesn't always remove them. Does prayer work? Absolutely. Does prayer always, does God always do what we ask him to do? Not always. And not always in the time frame that we want him to do it. There are many times that we, uh, I, I imagine today if we were all honest and we, if we would just take a moment and talk about, you know what, I, most of us would talk about a thorn in our flesh. Something that we've struggled with. And it, it may not be a, a sin in your life, but it's something that that's caused you a lot of harm. It may be a physical problem. It may be a uh, a physical pain that you've had, something you deal with on a regular, ongoing basis. And, and there's probably not one of us, if we have a thorn in our flesh, there's probably not any of us here today who haven't asked God, God, would you take that away? There's probably not anyone here who hasn't thought to themselves, you know what, God has the ability, God can remove this if he so chooses. Uh, God could speak the word and this uh, uh, thorn in my flesh could be gone. God could fix this problem. God could fix this person. God could change this relationship. God could change this economic situation. God could, God could. Paul says, uh, he teaches us an important principle is that prayer doesn't always remove these thorns. What does it say? Three times I begged the Lord to take it away. It doesn't say three times he prayed, although he did, but three times he cried out to God to remove this thorn in his life. I'm reminded of Jesus. We'll come back to his story in just a few moments. But remember, he's, he's been laid out this um, challenge that he's going to take on sin for our behalf, the, the whole message of the gospel. He's going to become sin. He's going to die on a cross for our sins. But in the garden, he prayed, Lord, if it is possible, let this cup be removed from me. Is it possible? Sure, it was possible for God, but it was God's divine plan of redemption. It was possible, but God chose the path of suffering and pain to bring about the course of redemption and salvation for us, and I'm so glad he did. He prayed multiple times, at least three times. He prayed because he went, he prayed, he went and got the, the guys, woke them up, came back. Remember three times the, 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 the uh, followers, Peter and those, that group, had fallen asleep? At least three times he prayed. What happened? Did God remove it? No. In just a few hours, they're going to place a crown of thorns upon his head. Number six, they are a reminder that God's grace is sufficient. While I believe that these uh, have its origin in the fall of humanity, and these are a problem of living in a post fallen world, and they're multiplied through disobedience. Satan's always using these to torment us. Prayer doesn't always remove them when we request them. Sometimes the Lord just says to us, he says, my grace is all you need. My power works best in weakness. 
So now I'm glad to boast about my weakness so that the power of Christ can work through me. That's why I take pleasure in my weakness, in my insults, hardships, persecutions, and troubles. We might even say the word thorns here uh, that I suffer for Christ. For when I am weak, then I am strong. And one of the things we learn is that sometimes the worst thing God could ever do in our lives is answer that prayer to remove the thorn that we're carrying in this life. Because if we did, our dependency would be on something else rather than God. And what God tells Paul in this incredible passage of Scripture, he said, listen, three times I begged the Lord to remove this. And God's answer was, my grace is sufficient. What I'm going to give you, what I'm going to strengthen you with, my presence, my power that's going to work through that thorn that you're carrying in your flesh is going to be powerful. J.I. Packer said this, he writes, God uses chronic pain and weakness along with other afflictions as his chisel for sculpting our lives. His chisel for sculpting our lives. Felt weakness deepens dependency on Christ for strength each day. The weaker we feel, the harder we lean. And the harder we lean, the stronger we grow spiritually. Even while our bodies waste away to live with our thorn uncomplicatedly, that is, sweet, patient, and free in heart to love and help others, even though every day you feel weak, is true sanctification. It is true healing for the Spirit. It is a supreme victory of grace. We learn that uh, there are reminders that God's grace is sufficient. And lastly, I would point out to you this, that Jesus wore a crown of thorns for us. He wore a crown of thorns. We cannot jump over this idea of thorns. As we saw about in the garden, he prayed for them to be removed. But then the story is completed by them mocking Jesus and putting a, taking a crown of thorns, taking something that would be painful, to something that represented the fall. How beautiful that it really is the imagery of the thorns being placed on his. They meant it for evil. God said, hey, look, this is an incredible picture here because this is a part uh, this is a result of a fallen world, and my son's going to die on the cross for, for the sins of humanity. And when he dies on the cross, and when he, when he rises from the grave, it will be a sign and a symbol of ultimate victory over the thorns. And guess what? You know the rest of the story? He wins. He, death couldn't hold him. The, 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 the thorns, the crown of thorns that he wore for us, he wore the thorns for us, and he took it to the cross, and he died on the cross. He was dead, buried, he was crucified, but he arose again the third day, and he is alive forevermore. Jesus represents the victory over the thorns. And Jesus, we learned two things through the thorns. Number one is that Jesus was and is indeed the King of kings and the Lord of lords. And even though they mocked him in that scenario, it is true. He is the King. And the second thing we learned is that Jesus was willing to endure great pain and insults and shame on our account, on our behalf. And as the King of kings and as the Lord of lords, he, he wore a crown of thorns so that we could wear one day a crown of righteousness. And what we see in this story is Jesus, who's wearing this crown of thorns, is that, that Jesus is ultimately victorious. And our story starts with this introduction of the idea of thorns. And the thorns are the result of a fallen world that we live in. They're multiplied through disobedience, and, and uh, they're used by Satan. And we can pray 
continuously. And if you've got a thorn right now, I wouldn't stop praying because God still may answer that prayer. But, but what I want us to see today is that because of the cross of Christ, that ultimately someday we will be victorious over these thorns because of the cross of Jesus Christ. Um, I was going to bed last night, and I'm just kind of turning my mind a little bit about this idea of thorns. And, and I just, again, I said I had something else I was going to share in chapel this morning, but I just the random verse of the day, the random verse of the day, you know, I think you love the way God uses the random verses of the day sometime. I started reading Isaiah 55. And uh, the verse was one of these first few <clears throat> verses, verse 6. But instead of just reading the random verse of the day, I just kept reading the random chapter of the day. And I was sitting there reading this, and it just struck me. Isaiah 55, verses 6 through 13 uh, says this. It says, Seek the Lord while you can find him. Call upon him while he is near. Let the wicked change their ways <clears throat> and be banished the very thought of doing wrong. Let them turn to the Lord that he may have mercy upon them. Yes, turn to God and he will forgive generously. Verse 8, famous verse of Scripture. For my thoughts are not your thoughts, says the Lord, and my ways are far beyond anything you can imagine. For just as the heavens are higher than the earth, and so my ways higher than your ways, and my thoughts higher than your thoughts. You get it? So it's like, you know, we're, we can't even comprehend what God has imagined for us. And sometimes the things he allows us to go through and some of the pain and heartache and suffering that we go through, it's just, you have a thought, Lord, remove this. Paul had a thought, Lord, take this away. My thoughts and my ways are higher than your ways. He goes on, then the rain and snow come down from the heavens and stay on the ground to water the earth. They cause the grain to grow and producing seed for the farmer and bread for the hungry. It is the same way with the word it sends out, and it always produces fruit. It will accomplish all I want it to, and it will prosper everywhere I send it. So what he says is, okay, not only my ways are higher than your ways, but my word of God always accomplishes what I what it sets out for to do. It's got a purpose to everything in which I do, and my, my word will never return void. You will live in joy and peace, verse 12, and mountains and hills will burst into song, and the trees of the field and will clap their hands. I love it, verse 13. This is what jumped out of me last night. Where once there were thorns, cypress trees will grow. Where once there were thorns, cypress trees will grow. Where nestles grew, myrtles will sprout up. These events will bring great honor to the Lord's name. Have you ever thought about, like, one day, right now, we carry about in this body sometimes thorns, thistles, and they hurt. They're painful. They're a problem. But his ways are higher than our ways. And his thoughts are higher than our thoughts. And someday, where there were thorns that prevailed, there's going to be an incredible amount of honor and glory that goes to God if we carry those out. If we depend on God's grace as Paul did it, if we depend on the mercies of God, if we exalt the Lord in the midst of our pain, hey, I prayed for this to be taken away, but I, you know, sometimes rather than praying that God remove it, maybe pray that God will use it for his honor and his glory. That you might be a help to somebody else because you've been through a, a thorn experience in your life and you can be a help and encouragement to someone else who's going through the time of thorns. George Matheson wrote this, My God, 
I have never thanked thee for my thorn. I have thanked thee a thousand times for my roses, but not once for my thorns. I have been looking forward to a world where I shall get compensation for my cross, but I have never thought of my cross as itself a present glory. Teach me the glory of the cross. Teach me the value of my thorn. Show me that I have climbed to thee by the path of pain. Show me that my tears have made my rainbow. See, it's through the thorns that were the result of a fallen world that bring us back around and the story's complete in the cross of Christ and we can ultimately have victory. So the thorn in your side, what about it? Let me take you back to the, to the story. That I, I, I love the NASB because it says it's a, God showed up in a thorn bush and it, didn't, it wasn't consumed. And what I love about this story, and I want to leave you with this thought, is God appeared in a thorn bush. God appeared. I'm so thankful that the story, it doesn't, like any normal thorn bush in the, in the Middle Eastern countries, that would have just, by heat, caught on fire and burned up and it was gone. What caught Moses' attention was, that was a thorn bush on fire and it did not burn up. And he went over and what the Lord said to him was, Moses... Take your shoes off. You're standing on holy ground. Now just think about that for a second. That thorn in your flesh could be holy ground if God shows up in it. That thing you're carrying, that thing you're, that pain that you've experienced, that problem that you're going through right now, submitted to God and surrendered to His will can become an incredible place of holy meeting with a holy God. It can be an encounter that changes our lives. So, generally speaking, we often think of these thorns as something really, really bad. Ouch! But these thorns are something that can take us to a place of awe and surrender and yielding our lives to the will of God. hope that encourages you this morning. Let's pray. Father, thank you for what you tell us about thorns in the Scripture. And Lord, I'm fairly convinced this morning that most of us here today carry about in our bodies a thorn in the flesh. For each of us, it may be different. Um, we may carry them differently. Uh, you may use them differently. But Lord, I pray that you'd help us to see your ways are higher than our ways and help us to see what you're doing in the midst of these challenges that we face in this fallen world. Thank you, Lord, for the cross. Thank you that you wore the thorns uh, to give us victory over the, the challenges and the difficulties we face. And thank you for your ever-abiding presence that you promised to be with us in the midst of the thorn bush. You never leave us and you never forsake us. We thank you in Jesus' name. Amen.